Welcome to the Mockingcast, the podcast of Mockingbird Ministries, an organization that exists to connect the Christian faith with the realities of everyday life. We bring this podcast to you every Friday. I'm Scott Jones. I'll be your host. And in just a moment, I'll be joined by David Zoll, Mockingbird's executive director, to discuss our weekly roundup piece, Another Week Ends. There are days in this life The sun shining bright when we see What God intended But that kind, clear sun Can't warm everyone Oh, today is a beautiful day But not for you All my life I've lived right By day and by night Now at last I am rewarded All right, I am back once again with David Zoll, as I call him, the animating force of the zeitgeist of Mockingbird Ministries, executive director, blogger, (laughs) cultural critic. You flatter me, Scott. You flatter me. Stop. I do. I do. It's because this is the cult of likability. I'm hoping that you'll flatter me. It's like a like, you know, like now I'm sitting there waiting. Okay, what will he say back about me like we do with social media? Right. Just no opinions, please. No opinions. Absolutely. Well, that song you heard, by the way, us lead in with is from Colbert with an author, a children's book author who was recently on his show. And it that, was... Well, hold, hold, hold on. the fo- Hold the phone here, Scott. That's not a children's book author. He did write one children's book. That's George Saunders, who's an incredible writer, a short story guy, uh, 10th of December. Um I, we we just can't let that 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 uh, misinformation stand. It's not misinformation. I didn't. It was. I didn't. I, he is a children's book writer. It's not. It's just maybe not complete information. I can't <laughs> wait. Any reference you make now. Every any reference you make. I'm sorry, David. That's it. Renee. Jones I know. Is also, I'm so, Renee Jones is also a tennis player in high school. He's not just a ritual Forgive me. Forgive me, please. It's okay. I I I, I want to be in my safe space. So another week ends, and we've got a lot going on. But first, can we talk about something that's not in another weekends? Sure. Let's talk about how high school was for you. Now, um, <laughs> uh, you wrote a piece this week. I think did you post it today. Right? Oh, are you talking about the Benedict Option? Yeah, thing? the Benedict Option. Yeah, I posted that uh, yesterday, and then I kept, <laughs> as I sometimes do when I'm feeling slightly unsure of myself or insecure, I kept rewriting it until late last night. And then um, the version that was up this morning was the final version where I feel like I said what I wanted to say. The problem with talking about the Benedict option is it always sounds like you're like the add-on at Denny's, like at the menu, like the Benedict option. Is there an eggs Benedict option? Like. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that irony, especially when the, the way that the guy who's coined it, this guy Rod Dreher, who's very gifted, by the way, um, he, uh, you know, 
whenever he talks about Benedict, it doesn't sound like that he had any option <laughs> but to leave the terrible uh, yeah. uh, Roman Empire. And that's one of the reasons why it's a little bit um, – that's a hesitation because, you know, as, as rough as it can be out there and as rough as, you know, some of these editorials that we're highlighting this week uh, when, when, they, when they try to take uh, the pulse of our uh, culture, it's – I don't think it's looting in the streets quite yet. I don't think it's Visigoths, you know – descending and uh, martial law. So it's that's what Benedict used to retreat. And uh, that was – it doesn't seem like for that man at least it was – it felt like anything, like an option. It's worse than Visigoths. It's Who Kardashians. <laughs> they, always, they do have a kind of Visigothian type of uh, name, don't they? It is, it is. It's something. It's some kind of thing. Yeah. I mean in, in short, for those people who maybe are not current on this discussion – there, there's most people, mostly Protestant, mostly conservative sorts of Protestants, yeah. evangelical Protestants, people who would call themselves, you know, traditional Orthodox Protestants, are saying that the the vision for the church has to be a little more internal, a little more disciplined, a little more Christ against culture, to use kind of a H. Richard <laughs> Niborian phrase. That 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 you know, the sky is falling. There's massive sort of cultural decay, and ra- and the church has got to sort of have more internal focus, live a more, more kind of purified witness, and that's sort of the best thing it can do for its members and for the world. Would that be a fair summary? I think so. I mean, yeah, thickening is how it, – it's it's difficult to really talk about it for a lot of reasons, but it um, – Yes, it it, 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 it it catches most traction with with people who feel like they're under assault. And I do not want to deny, and in that piece I really feel like I went out of my way to recognize the fact that there is an assault, there, that the threats that religious people feel are not completely fictitious. They might be amplified by paranoia or um, – Context certainly, like you know, uh, if you're living in Birmingham, Alabama, you're going to feel it a little bit less than if you're living in Burlington, Vermont. But um, we, uh, yeah, there, there's this when you really get under the skin of what the atheistic, the sort of aggressive new atheists are saying, and they do have quite a bit of soapboxes. It's not just three people, uh, especially if you look at the read the internet. Um, it's 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 very it, it, these aren't people that want to do away with uh, conservative or orthodox religion. They want to do away with all religion. They want to first do away with I think uh, conservative religion, but they're they're not looking to um, really compromise on anything related to uh, you know the, the lengthy, long, 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 long traditions of that all of us are involved in. Yeah, something you say in the piece, too, that I found interesting is that you said that you don't have to be a Christian or even religious to be sympathetic to what these people are calling the Benedict Option. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about a limited retreat from the world, not a full-scale, you know, climb a mountaintop or anything like that, or even a ghettoization. Um, They've, they go out of their way, although when you talk about it, it's a little confusing because when you talk about Benedictine monks, that is 
the honest picture that people get is that you're going off to a monastery and you don't see people. However, yeah, I I think that the way that our culture, uh, for as much stuff as I love about it and as much as I just glory glory, uh, in this, a lot of what I get to be a part of and see and do – I'm the performanceism, the sort of conflation of uh, doing with being. The um, uh, you know the college admissions process alone is reason to want to retreat. It's it's there's a lot, and I'm, it's more the um, whether you, whatever you believe about uh, politics or morality or religion, the pace, the pace of life with um, technologically, it, it feels inhumane and it, it feels inhumane. I know for a lot of people, the nonstop distractibility. And that's what I mean by, uh, you know, secular, um, visions of, of retreat, you know, unplugging, we will have things like this. We will have interrupters that say, this is a, this is like a non internet zone, non online zone. I'm convinced. Um, and we're seeing it already people going off to camps in the summer where that is a big part of the appeal of the camp. And, um, and those camps run the gamut that you, they, they, there are Christian camps like that and there are non-Christian camps like that, non-religious ones. So, uh, yeah, I think the retreat is is attractive um, for anyone who's just caught up in that uh, rat race. So if you were going to say like, okay, here's a kind of image or picture for what the church looks like in the world, it wouldn't be – your first pick wouldn't be the Benedict option. It probably wouldn't – I know you well enough – it wouldn't be like a kind of crusader option – I mean, even a nonviolent, I mean, like a, Hey, let's Christianize the culture. Let's go out there. And it, it, it wouldn't, what, what, what do you think? Like what image for you or picture is most evocative of what you think a graced church would look like in the world? Well, I always, I mean, we, maybe it's cause it's in my mind because of the, the book we released this week about movies, but I always think of, um, you know, the end of Broadway, Danny Rose. I'm using the culture here to talk about the church, but the ending of Broadway, Danny Rose, were all of these outcasts and miscreants and um, kind of pathetic loser types are gathered around uh, having frozen TV uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And there's something people got kind of got nothing left to lose um, who don't really care where they live um, or just that they can be together. Maybe that's um idealized form of uh, church. Uh but I don't really have an alternative option. That's why I respect what Rod Dreher is doing because I think it is it is something that's important to ask. Uh, I I think that that classic saying that the church is not a a museum or a resting home for saints, but a hospital for sinners or a triage unit. I really do buy into that uh, wholeheartedly. And so when it becomes an insular thing where the church exists for the sake of Christians, even even ostensibly, meaning even in part in order to then reach non-believers, the wider world, I, I just don't think you can make that um, that jump because uh, because it, uh, it it sacrifices what I the, the the actually what we're trying to be faithful to, which is the Christ who uh, really came for sinners, and um, that and that's made all the difference. That is the the, the wellspring out of which all of our communities form. So it's not like I sit around thinking about the church. I've got a very um, loose uh, ecclesiology um, 
and I, I don't consider myself any kind of authority on this question. I just felt like enough people asked me what we or I thought about the Benedict option. And that's what troubles me about it. I, I, I The alarmism, yes, uh, about culture, I do think it's amplified by the internet. I do think it's amplified in academia. I don't think it's as prominent as we like to think, though it may become more prominent. But the... Uh, yeah, the, the, the desire to get away, I sympathize with. The desire for a little bit of rest, I sympathize with. What that, that means for the church, I don't know, but we cannot sacrifice the gospel, which is has almost nothing to do with Christians. It has to do with human beings. It has to do with God's love for the sinner. Now, I wonder if there's not a secular parallel to this impulse in South Park. Yeah, South Park, uh, I haven't, I, I, it's a little dodgy to talk about this because I've only seen a couple of the episodes, but this season of South Park, now some people can't stand South Park and it's, I don't find it very relaxing to watch South Park because it's so intense and so in your face, uh, but they got to hand it to those guys. They've got courage. They are not being muzzled by anyone or anything. And, um, you know, in the same way that people are so attracted to the lack of ambiguity in Donald Trump, for example. Um, I think the South Park guys are refreshing in that they speak their minds and that they violate any kind of taboo in their way. But this entire season, I guess, has been this overarching uh, narrative about uh, kind of criticizing political correctness and safe spaces. And there's these big fraternity guys who go around um, – making sure that um, no one is ever excluded and they end up being sort of the idea is that they're bullies and they end up beating the, you know, everyone up because um, anytime they, uh, they violate their very increasingly strict uh, code of uh, propriety. And uh, yeah, there's, there's this, there's this one thing. I think it's, um, this is the episode I have seen the safe spaces episode where they get this kid because uh, people can't don't want to deal with any negativity. They want to be shielded from it, which don't we all. But they get one kid to try to filter out every negative comment on the internet and on social media. And it starts to – he kind of goes insane and, it, and the entire – it's basically like the entire weight of human sin is put on this kid and he – he um, you know, falls apart and then this creature called reality creeps in and every time they're trying to erect these safe spaces, this little reality character who looks a little bit like a villain um, in Bullwinkle, in Rocky and Bullwinkle, he comes in and says, you know, uh, the world is not a big liberal arts campus, you know, uh, not everyone's happy all the time and uh, we're all going to die, ha ha ha. But then they go and kill. <laughs> they respond by going and sh- hanging this uh, uh, villain named Reality. It's it's not subtle. It is not subtle, Scott.
Yeah, I I, I love the uh, song. I thought the song was the the, the same. They were the describing their safe spaces. <laughs> no one is around me in bulletproof glass. In my yeah, it turns out you're in these hermetically sealed, uh, you know, um, Kevlar floating rooms. It's an <laughs> no one is actually talking to it. So there's another piece that you have in here by Mark Oppenheimer, whose stuff I really like, and who has a great podcast called Unorthodox for anybody that likes podcasts. If you're listening to this, I'm assuming you like them a little bit. But he has a piece that you highlight called Convert Me, Why Proselytizers Are Good for Civilization. Yeah, it's it's it's. What a great title, because, you know, who is – they're like the least uh, loved uh, people that go door-to-door trying to proselytize. I mean they're the easiest target in the world, but they're also just universally hated. No one likes those people, and it, it doesn't really matter. I mean it sort of matters if it's a Jehovah's Witness or if it's – I mean in Charlottesville, I get people um, knocking on my door for like clean water stuff and, and sign petitions for bills about animal rights and things like that. I am, I'm having actually, and we had Jehovah's Witnesses once, but those are um, the people I respect the most because I feel like that's a tough sell. I mean, Mormonism, sure, no booze, no caffeine. There's strange under, you know, particular underwear and stuff, but <laughs> there's a cachet to Mormonism. You know, right. you got you got the, the just the mystique of the founding myth. You got BYU. You got. I you get you got the young you know, virtuous kids out of the mission and. The, but when I, you know, the Jehovah, there's Jehovah's Witnesses that, that sort of set up by the train station near my house. And I'm just, I'm like, man, it's, it, it just seems like a hard, I really admire that. The literature's, you know, it's not, it's not quite that sexy. It's only 144,000 are really the, the elite. I mean, it's it. Yeah, it, to, I know. To go, to go out and campus, canvas for that. I, I look at them and I, I, I have a sneaking admiration. Yeah. Isn't Prince's Jehovah's Witness, right? Really? Yeah, and I know. I mean, Michael Jackson grew up a Jehovah's Witness, but then left it. Um, so there's some. They, they, I don't think they mention that in their literature. I would lead with that. I, it's the first thing I would do. I'd have a big picture of Prince on the thing. That's it. I'd hide the Watchtower. I just. I think he recorded a couple records. Rain. I think he honestly has recorded a couple records, which you can't understand unless you have an intimate knowledge of Jehovah's Witness theology. But. Um, to the the piece, what he's saying in it, and I I love what he's saying. It's such a fresh fresh take, as they say. He um 
He says that people that go door to door and proselytize, at least they're recognizing, they're, they're respecting a person enough to see them face to face and to, um, you know, so much of the barriers that you actually South Park shows with kind of no one wanting to be safe by never actually having to interact with another human being. It's, um, that, that they have they have disregarded all of those, and they're coming up to you. They're saying, you know, an email is not good enough. A pop up ad is not what I want to do. I want to interact with you in flesh and blood and talk to you about what I really care about. And you know, he says that it's very easy to get cynical, and everyone's trying to sell you something. And you know, that's pretty much been my experience. But um, I, you, when you talk to people who've done that work for a political campaign or for a church, you know. Um, they they don't see it that way. Usually they believe in something that they're actually doing and they're being sincere and they're not trying to manipulate you. And so he's sort of saying that's better than a pop-up ad or that's better than a telemarketer. Um, that is uh, – it's more uncomfortable and that's actually probably a good thing. Yeah, and I think done well. I mean when it's done – in a real genuine – with genuine heartfelt conviction and, and a little bit of humility, it's an incredibly vulnerable act. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just – it's a it's a thing. We had somebody come to our door yesterday and they were selling <clears throat> uh, security systems and oil. And you can't get really? both things like heating oil and security systems. So I was walking back up to the door as my wife was talking to. I have these two. We have these two rescue pit bulls. She's like, yeah. "I have these dogs. We don't even lock our door. Like, <laughs> like nobody's <laughs> gonna get through our living room if they're if they're hostile, uh, nefarious characters." But you know, she was saying to me when they left, like, "I, I would, oh gosh, I would just hate to go door to door." And I'm a pretty extroverted person who loves who loves social interaction, likes spontaneous. I love talking with strangers. Yeah. But still, it's still daunting. I mean, really, I mean, it's it's a it's a thing that doing it is an act in in, in a unique, strange way of love, solidarity, and humility. If it's done I mean, in the it's, right it's spirit, it's not putting. You know, people say, "Oh, you guys are putting yourself out there a lot on the internet," but I mean, that's nothing compared to putting yourself out there, walking up to someone's door. Now, the con the 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 inverse here is that people feel vaguely violated when you knock on their door when they come up to, and that's what Oppenheimer talks about. Um, but he he sort of says that attacking canvassers is usually just a way uh, for 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 approaching you is usually um, you, you don't do that when you actually agree with what they're saying or what they're trying to sell. So it's always uh, you know it's like whenever someone breaks up with you, it's like you know it's not that they broke up with me. It's just it's how they did it. You know, it's like no, it's not. It's there's no good way to break up with someone. You know, you that's what you don't like is being broken up with, not the how, because the how is impossible to get right. So if if you hate Jehovah's Witness and you want to run away from religion, well, um, then you're probably going to um, dismiss them on the basis of their tactics. Which isn't to say all tactics are equal, but I, I do think that Oppenheimer, the way he phrases it, he talks about like unionizing students or something. Um, I find it compelling, for sure. There is one good way to break up. Remember, uh, remember when next? George, remember when George and Seinfeld, Jerry's like, how ironic! You finally have a job where you can get girls, but you have a relationship, so you cannot use the, the new job because <laughs> she works for NBC. And George's plan is. Get David Letterman to flirt with Susan. They fall in love. She breaks up with him for David Letterman. 
then he can go use his new writing gig for NBC to pick up chicks. See, I thought for sure you were going to use the one where George wants to do the roommate switch, where he wants to date the other roommate. Oh, gosh. That's, the, <laughs> that's I mean, because that, that's no, so ingenious. Jerry you know? wants to do the roommate switch. Gary wants to do the roommate switch and that incredible montage of them trying, like, racking their brains on, it can't be done, Jerry. It can't be done. Oh, man, what a great show. That's great. Yeah. It, it, the reruns, they never get old. Well, there's lots of other stuff here, including I, 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 some stuff about living and the cult of likability, which is worth a, a read. You kind of highlight a piece that summarizes some stuff about Rene Girard, who's kind of uh, was breakthrough scholar in ritual theory and anthropology. And you also, there's a nice piece about Flannery O'Connor. But mm-hmm. so I want to encourage everybody listening to check out Another Week Ends at mbird.com. And in conclusion, I think you have a few we have we have some items. I hate the term housekeeping. I, I, we have some conclude like it sounds so like. I mean, I, we have some housewarming. Housewarming, <laughs> housewarming. Yes. not housekeeping. Housewarming items. Yeah, I, that's. Uh, I I like that too. Um, you're so good looking. You're <laughs> just so like that housewarming. Uh, maybe this podcast will slowly devolve into just discussion of Seinfeld, which wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. We'll just talk in Seinfeld isms without referencing. Yeah. Oh, oh you, we forgot to mention the gift guide that went up this week. That was one of that's like my favorite posts of the year. I get to, I I I am the good person that writes it, but I get to um, I, I solicit ideas from everyone around uh, the little mocking sphere. And I think this year, you know, I'm pretty proud of myself with what I came up with. That that toilet sarlacc. I mean, that's um, that's ingenious. Yeah, there's I, a lot of great stuff. I wouldn't. I, I'm serious. And there's some stuff there that's like. You know, tongue in cheek, and some stuff that's great. I mean, I, seriously, if you're like, I think buying gifts is so hard for people sometimes. Like, yeah. it, it's it like, I think it's a great thing. I would encourage everybody to check out the. Gift I, I get I get uh, self conscious about the marketing aspect of it, um, but you know, I love. I've always loved looking at like best of lists, and I always love looking at gift guides. I think they're so fascinating because um you know it's impossible to to know what's out there if unless someone helps you and uh the extent that we can and i get to be that guy a, a little bit is really fun excuse me but the other thing uh, i want to mention is that we sent out our big annual sort of year-end appeal for uh for our budget for fundraising and people that are on our mailing list will be getting that but you know it's a, it's a relatively little amount of money that we have to raise it's about two hundred and thirty thousand dollars, which actually doesn't sound like a little amount of money but given all that we're doing um with uh even with this podcast and with the new book we put out the mockingbird movies and the magazine and the website i mean this stuff just uh we like to offer it for free and um we do and we always will but it's um it does cost a lot uh or it's not it's not uh it doesn't it costs nothing to make so i think people um if you if you want to give you know we never ever want to be coercive but the invitation is there um so you can you can check out more information i, I think ember.com slash support or you can just um you just log on to the website. You, you'll you'll find some stuff. But we could use your help. And uh, oh, anyone who signs up for monthly giving gets uh, an automatic subscription to the Mockingbird 
but yeah, thank you for having me on again this week, Scott. And, um, and also if it, you're, as you're listening, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you like <laughs> it and you're enjoying it, uh, please go visit the iTunes store, rate us, maybe write us like a two sentence review so that we can, you know, I, one of the things that I think what's great about Mockingbird, I think a lot of people, you know, feel this way. It's kind of a unique voice on the, on the landscape, on the spiritual cultural landscape. You know, it's, it's, it's got a, it does have a unique kind of presence, culture and voice. And so if that's what draws you to it, you, you know, it's, it's a great thing to pass the, to pay that forward, to help other people connect to it. Yeah. I mean, it's also just the world we live in where we always have to be <laughs> promoting stuff, but you know, it's, there are, there are worse things than having to promote something you put your heart and soul into. We are the, like uh, online proselytizing right now. Yeah. Here you go, everyone. The, uh, oh, last thing I'll say is that the, um, this week, I think you could take, keep an eye out. We're going to start doing our like year end best of lists. Maybe next week, we could get Stephanie Phillips on to talk about that incredible post she did about marriage this week. I love that one. That oh, and uh, the um, details for the New York conference should be out soon, but the pre-registration is already open. So that's that's all I got to say. Uh, but again, thanks for listening and thanks for having me, Scott. I, I, I love doing this. All right, David. Bye-bye. But not for you. All my life I've lived right By day and by night Now at last I am rewarded I worked hard to get where I got As for you, apparently not Oh, today is a beautiful day But not for you Not for you just for me everything's fine far as i can see oh the world is a beautiful place and it keeps getting better as for you whatever you did too bad for you kid oh today is a beautiful day but not for you oh today is a beautiful day in every way, oh, today is a beautiful day, but not for you. George Saunders, the very persistent gaffers of threat.